We live in the stories we tell ourselves. Look at our television screens. Look at the magazines we buy. Look at the films that we pay money to go and see. We live in the stories we tell ourselves. Every action hero embodies the spirit of the age into which he is born. And as a result is doomed to be a relic of that age. James Bond, the suave secret service agent of the Cold War, preserving the balance of the status quo and enjoying the fruits of his labor. Rambo, the super soldier of the Vietnam era, with little use for human pleasures, the embodiment of total war. And Jason Bourne, the product of the digital generation, constantly outrunning the security cameras. Traditional movie action stars mirror the state of the world in which they find themselves. We live as a society in the stories we tell ourselves. Yet the superhero, however, is something a little bit different. It is not the supernatural power that makes the superhero popular. Or if it is, it's because those powers represent something. Superheroes are symbols of something deeper, and it's that something deeper about them that enables them to transcend all ages and all generations. One might compare action heroes to secularism, and on the other hand, compare superheroes to spirituality and religion. Action heroes dealing with the immediate, the external properties of the world. Superheroes, on the other hand, dealing with the interior elements of humanity. Superheroes, by their very essence, are colorful incarnations of the human soul. Think superhero, think costumes they wear. There's usually a large emblazoned signature on the chest or midsection, traditionally a cape and almost always a mask. We live in the stories we tell ourselves. Grant Morrison himself described as one of the greatest comic book writers of our generation in his book, Super Gods, Our World in the Age of the Superhero Comments. In the secular, rational culture, lacking any convincing spiritual leadership, superhero stories speak loudly and boldly into our greatest fears, deepest longings, and highest aspirations. They're not afraid to be hopeful, not embarrassed to be optimistic, and are utterly fearless in the dark. They're about as far from the real world as you can get. But the best superhero story deals directly with the mythic elements of the human experience that all can relate to, in ways that are imaginative, profound, funny, and even provocative. They exist to solve problems of all kinds and can always be counted on to find ways to save the city. At their very best, they help us confront and even resolve crises in life. So why then are we throwing money at superhero movies? Why then are superhero movies amongst the highest grossing annually? Why are we so obsessed with the cult of the superhero? Is it because as a society we're afraid? Is it because as a society we want to be protected? 
Is it because as a society, deep down, we really do just want to be told that at the end of the day, everything will be okay? Is it because as a society, we want a savior and we want a king? But as a society, do we want this baby as our savior and as our king? Or would we be more content with a caped crusader? In a world where wealth and celebrity are a measure of accomplishment, it is no surprise that the two most popular superheroes of our age are Batman and Iron Man. And what do they have in common? Namely this, that in both cases their alter egos are powerful, wealthy, handsome tycoons. We live in the stories we tell ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, this is what the world would have us believe are the gods of this generation. Bruce Wayne and Tony Stark. Power, wealth, celebrity, and technology. Here is where we find hope as a culture. This morning, we need to ask ourselves, what do we want our Savior to look like? Do we want him to look like Peter Parker, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne, Tony Stark? Or do we want him to look like a crying baby in a manger? Interesting questions to ask ourselves as we gather here in the run-up to Advent. As we look to this crib, hardly an inspiring hero. Sure, he looks just like us. But this morning, if we allow ourselves to gaze fully into this crib, if we allow ourselves to enter fully into this story this Christmas, we will see a baby, yes, a baby crying in a manger, but a baby that has so much more to him than originally meets the eye. We live in the stories we tell ourselves. Jesus himself was a master storyteller. When Jesus taught, massive crowds gathered along the, along the Sea of Galilee to hear him. Jesus used story. The Bible calls them parables. And the parables of Jesus are among some of the greatest and most captivating stories ever told. But deep down, we need to remember that a parable at its very essence is a fictional story used to convey a spiritual truth. The prodigal son, for example, not just the story of a boy running away from home, spending his father's money, and then coming home, but rather the story of God's unrelenting love and forgiveness for us. Each of Jesus's parables starred fictional characters conveying spiritual truth. Grant Morrison in that book further comments, it's not that I needed Superman to be real. I just needed Superman to be more real than the idea of the atomic bomb that ravished my dreams. Superman, modern day parable, modern day story of the birth of Jesus. Let's journey through it. Once long ago, A rocket ship launched from a doomed planet Krypton and dove out of the sky, landing on the humble property of Jonathan and Martha Kent. Mingled with fascination and fear, they climb out of their Ford pickup truck to discover the ship's tiny infant occupant. 
Superman's father's name was Jor-El, El being the Hebrew word for God. Hardly a coincidence considering Superman's creators were two small boys, two small Jewish boys who grew up in rural America. And of course, it was Superman's father who gave him powers and abilities far above and beyond that of ordinary mortals. But it was Jonathan and it was Martha Kent who would adopt him and raise him as their own son and instill into him his humanity, scooping, her, scooping him up in her arms. Martha, who's originally named Mary in the comics, and Jonathan, whose middle name is Joseph, raised Clark Kent in a small town in the middle of nowhere where he will learn to work with his father's hands on his farms. Jonathan's, sorry, Jonathan will later die when Clark was a teenager, but it wouldn't be until Clark is around 30 that he would make his first appearance as Superman. This dual identity, Clark Kent, Superman. Jesus, humanity and divinity. Jesus sent from above, raised here on earth, in a small town in the middle of nowhere as we come to sing about in some of our carols as we run up to Christmas. Yet in the middle of nowhere, he would learn how to work in his father's workshop. Just as with Superman, both sides of his identity are equally important. His humanity on one side, his divinity on the other. Our infinite God, this Advent, confined himself within human flesh because he loves us. Our limitless Lord limited himself enough to the stretch of an arm because he cared for you and for me. The, the hands that created the universe find themselves blistered by a carpenter's hammer because he loved us enough to become one of us. How fitting then that the very tools that he would learn as his trade would be, would be used in his death. With a hammer and nails, he was a carpenter. And with a hammer and nails, he is our savior. One of the most remarkable things about Superman is his ability to have sheer strength. In the 1940s, the comic, the comic boasted this. Superman could change the course of mighty rivers and bend steel in his bare, with his bare hands. And we're all familiar with those images of him rushing through the sky to see of the latest damsel in distress. Of course, Superman's power this morning can point us to an even greater power. While Superman might be able to slightly shift the orbit of a planet, Jesus suspends entire solar systems by his infinite power. In the book of Hebrews we read, Jesus is the radiance and the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by his word and power. Jesus not only created the universe, but sustains it to today. In 1993, the unspeakable happened. Superman died. Now, this certainly wasn't the first time that a comic book had killed off its lead character later to resurrect them. But when news hit the mainstream media that Superman was to die, most news commentators of the time described it as the end of an era. In the storyline that would result ultimately in Superman's death, 
a beast known as Doomsday, who had been imprisoned, imprisoned in a far abyss below the surface of the earth, breaks free and begins carving a swathe of destruction that quickly endangers human life. Later, when a boy with his mother sees Superman in the fight for his life, the boy asks about the, the monster, and the woman replies, I'd say he's the devil incarnate, ushering in the end of the world. Metropolis, where the Clarks live, becomes the epicenter for the fight of ages. And in the end, Superman gives his life to protect those who he loves. And after an elaborate funeral, it would only be a few days during which his body would lie in his grave before being miraculously restored. It certainly doesn't take a theology degree to see the parallels to the Christ story there. Jesus this morning, just another superhero or something more. The word was first, the word present to God, the word present to God. Bethlehem's boy, just another superhero. The word was God in readiness for God from day one. Bethlehem's boy, just another superhero. Everything was created through him. Nothing, not one thing came into being without him. Bethlehem's boy, just another superhero. What came into existence was life, and the life was the life to live by. Bethlehem's boy, just another superhero. Bethlehem's boy, just another superhero? Surely not. Superheroes are created by us. They fulfill our needs. They show us our fears. They allow us to escape. Yet this morning in this crib, we see one who was always present. We see one who speaks to our deepest needs. We see one who wasn't created. We see one who speaks to our darkest needs. One whose only hope isn't to be lifted from the pages of a comic book and turned into a movie, but rather one who is the living word. I'm going to play a clip here just from the uh, Batman movie, not the latest Batman movie, but the one before last. We have to chase him. Okay, we're going in! Go, go! Move! You didn't do anything wrong. Because it's the hero Gotham deserves. But not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him. Because he can take it. Because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian. A watchful protector. A dark knight. The hero we don't need now 
Is that what we as a society are saying about Jesus today? Yes, this idea of the baby in the manger is all well and good, but can we just deal with him a little bit further down the line? This Christmas, why don't we find our hope? Why don't we find the answers to our fears? Why don't we find the assurance that we can find in the birth of this baby? Yes, a baby that looks just like us, hardly an inspiring hero. Yet, as we get into the story of his birth, his life, his death, and our resurrection, we find the story of one who really is greater than any other superhero that mainstream media can throw at us. This morning, could you use a hero? Do you need someone to save you? Are you looking for someone to catch you when you fall? He in this crib this morning, never raised a sword, yet he conquered nations. The baby in the crib never solved a crime, yet he stopped evil in its tracks. The baby in the manger never fired a gun, yet he caused wars to cease. The baby in the manger never used a utility belt, mutant powers, or shot lasers from his palms, but he saved the world. And this morning he lives in front of us. This morning we're confronted with it once more. This baby born thousands of years ago in the middle of nowhere, raised by two unexpected parents, worshipped and adored by shepherds, heralded by angels, receiving gifts from wise men. This baby, this baby that would change ultimately the course of the world forever. Bethlehem's boy this morning, not just another superhero. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for the reminder of your birth at this time of year. And we pray that as we enter this season, that our focus truly would be on the baby born in the manger. That as we sing those carols and read those readings so familiar to us, that you would challenge us in new and fresh ways. That you would stir something up within us this Advent. We thank you that that baby born small, tiny, innocent in a manger, needing our care, needing our help to rear him, that he would be the focus of our minds, our thoughts, and our hearts. And that in a world where we so often find saviors in other forms, that as a society we would be confronted by that crying baby and realize that as we enter into the story of the Bethlehem boy, that there really is so much more than meets the eye. The world may have superheroes, but it has a savior born in a stable. Help us to enter into your story this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.